Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. You know, giving like we did today, it doesn't, it doesn't make us right with God. What I mean by that, it doesn't make everything okay. Because I've given when I was really not okay. But it, it helps to remind me what He did for me so that I could be okay with Him. And so this question of it, do we give to the church and do we serve and do we help those in the community? I mean, do we do all the things we do to try to somehow earn this right place with God and, and this righteousness with God? The term righteousness is, is really just a word that means you have peace with Him. You're kind of like what was in the garden. You're close to Him, and God is not a scary thought. God's a wonderful thought. And sometimes we think if we go to church, it's go, that's going to fix it. No, it doesn't fix it. Oh, if we go see Pastor David, Pastor Danny, Pastor Matthew, they, they'll give us, you know, they'll make it all right. No, we won't. You may come out of our office being more messed up than when you came in. So does the church, can you buy it here? Do we have it at Long's Bookstore? No. It's a gift. It's a gift that only God can give. And, and guys, he has given that gift of righteousness. And you can be right with God today. You don't have to be afraid of God. And you can have peace like, like God intended it in the very beginning. It was that question that really perplexed a young Augustinian monk, a German young man, who in the early 1500s, just was doing everything he could to be righteous, to, to feel like he was doing enough. And he, and he was teaching. In fact, there are stories of how he would, would, his lectures were unbelievable. He was not only a monk, he was also a professor. But I, li- I want you to listen to what he said about all that he'd done. My situation was that although I was an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience. And I had no confidence that my merit would please him. Therefore, I didn't love a just and angry God. In fact, I hated and murmured against him. That's Martin Luther, the great reformer, feeling like he had not done enough to to get it right with God. And so what did Martin Luther do? Well, Martin Luther did what we all should do and what was fought for many years. He opened the Bible and read it. And it's amazing what happens when you read it. Because when you read it, it it becomes clear. You get this picture like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. And I'll take you to one of the places that really was profound. It changed his life. It's Romans chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 1. This is the verse that really impacted him. And let me tell you what he did differently. This time, when he read this verse, he didn't read it in Latin. 
Now, this, this kid was bright. He was unbelievable. He was fluent, obviously, in German. He was fluent in Latin. He understood Greek. He understood Hebrew, maybe some other languages thrown in there, but he was a bright, bright kid. And he said, I'm going to read it instead of Latin. I'm going to read it in the original. I'm going to read it in Greek. And when he read it in Greek this time, he saw something about the phrase righteousness of God. And it changed him. In fact, he couldn't get it out of his head. There's actually a story that when he was, was going through some of the rituals that the church had given him to do, he was, he was climbing stairs. He was ascending stairs to a place to pray, and he was kissing each step. And as he was kissing each step, he was thinking about this verse. And, and the story goes that he stopped and said, what am I doing? You can't earn this righteousness. No, it's a gift. God gives it to you. This is the verse he read. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And it was in that moment he said, something's got to change. Something's got to change. Let me read that last verse. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who what? Believes. Doesn't say everyone who earns it. Doesn't say everyone who deserves it. No, to every one of us who believe. First to the Jew and then to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith for faith. That's a phrase that literally means you understand it and get there by faith, and then you live every day in faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You know where that came from? came from the Old Testament. came from a book we studied recently called Habakkuk. And so all this began to convince him the gospel is the good news of our hope of righteousness, of our hope of being restored to that rightful place with God, a relationship with God like was in the beginning with Adam and Eve and God. And the only hope I have of that kind of relationship is a gift from God. It's not something that, that I can do. And what he saw in this is that, yes, God has given this to me. And so God has given me this right standing with him, this peace with him, and it's given in a gift of Jesus. So that gift that God has given every one of us is simply his son, Jesus. Because when you, by faith, receive Jesus, the righteousness that Jesus has, which is perfect, wraps you up and takes you home takes you back to that place where you belong, that relationship with God. It, it's not your own righteousness, it's his. So it literally, it, it wraps us up like, like you would a robe, like a towel or something. You're covered. Now when the Father, when God looks at you, he sees his son because you have now trusted in him. Martin Luther understood that. So did the hymn writer when he wrote the song, my hope is built on nothing less than 
Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. And the last verse says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne, not my righteousness, but his. So the good news today is you can be right with God. You can go back home to where you belong in a relationship with your Creator You can have peace with God, and it comes through a gift that was given to you, and you by faith say, I receive that gift. Just simple as that. It's the gospel. And Martin Luther saw it, and it changed his life. And he went on to read in Romans chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, look at at Romans chapter 3. He went on to read about how this happens, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Now, let me just stop there for a minute. A lot of us grew up in atmospheres where we thought that the way you get it right with God is you keep all the rules. Don't want to see your hand, but you know who I'm talking to. You grew up in a rule-oriented faith. I, I, I just, I think you're still trying to keep the rules. And you're hoping that if you keep enough rules, you're going to get there. And if you're not keeping enough rules, if you give a little extra money, kind of like the old indulgences the Catholic Church used to sell, if you, if you give enough money to the church, that'll compensate. It's kind of like, hey, I'm going to drink a Diet Coke and eat a Snickers. Somehow they don't balance out. Okay. I'll take the Snickers, but not the Diet Coke, you know. If I'm going to be just a sinner, let me go all the way. But here's here's the problem. You You can't balance the account. It's apart from the law. You can keep all the rules you want. I don't care how many rules you got. We can give you some more if you want some more. We don't drink. We don't cuss. We don't chew. We don't go with girls who do. That's what I grew up with. I gave it up in the fifth grade. I mean, I just knew that that wasn't working. We all have grown up with rules. But making it with God doesn't happen by rules. So it's apart from the law and the prophets. Now, they bear witness to it. That's a pretty cool thing. The law was given to show you you need Jesus. That's like if you go in a house and somebody says, you can go in any, any room you want. And there's one door has a sign, do not enter. What room do you want to go in? That one room. You know why? The law awakens sin in us is what the Bible teaches. It just makes us want to step over the line. But it teaches us we need Jesus. We can't fix ourselves. And so this is what he did. The righteousness of God through faith In Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. There's a gift again. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. That's a $15 word. We'll come back to it in a minute. By His blood to be received by faith. So in other words... Those verses that we just read teach us, first of all, there's bad news. 
You can't make yourself righteous. You can't earn it. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Let's just face it. Quit, quit trying to make yourself righteous. You're not going to do it. And, and it's okay to accept the fact that you need help. Number two, the good news. There's help. God has given you a way. God has given you a way to be right with him and to be home where he created you to be in the very first place. It's called grace. It's a gift. In fact, you take the song Amazing Grace and change the word grace for Jesus, it makes sense. Amazing Jesus, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yeah, I was lost. Now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. Well, how'd that happen? Jesus. He's the gift. I have his righteousness now. By faith, I have it. I didn't earn it. I didn't buy it at the store. I didn't get it from the pope or the pastor. I got it from Jesus himself. And when you read this text, you go, oh my goodness. And then he says, this is what he did for you. This is how it happened. And he mentions three things that Jesus has done for us. Number one, he has made you righteous. He has declared you innocent. He's acquitted you. Use whatever term. But let me show you what it says in the text. For all sin falls short of the glory of God. We, don't, we need to talk about that anymore. Anybody in here think they're not a sinner? If, if you raise your hand, you just sin. So see, you're in the bunch, all right? We're all in the same boat. And are justified by his grace. What does the word justify mean? Declared right. Justified means you're innocent. You're acquitted. Well, how did that happen? By his grace. As a gift. It's as if he's looking in a courtroom. And there's a judge. It's God. And you're standing there. And I'm standing there, and God's looking at us going, um, got a list of things you've done. And your rap sheet's pretty long. You've made a lot of mistakes. Yes, I have. And then God starts calling witnesses. Some of your friends or used to be friends on Facebook are now standing there. Some of your past, like your eighth grade math teacher, yes, they're there to witness against you. Maybe it's that ex, that husband that <laughs> is there to witness against you. Maybe it's one of your kids. The truth is there's a whole lot of witnesses out there that can prove us guilty, that we don't get it right all the time. So God looks at us and says, um, you're guilty. And I'm going to give you the sentence in just a moment. And then the judge says something, does something that's so unbelievable. He stands up, he takes off his robe, and he comes down and he stands beside you. And he said, I'll take your punishment. You, my friend, are innocent. You're free. I'll take the punishment for your sin. That's exactly what it means to be justified. Can we just thank God that that's what he did for us? That's exactly what Jesus did. So he took our punishment when he died on the cross. Was he dying for his sin? No. He was dying for yours. He was taking the punishment so that you 
could be justified by his awesome gift of grace. Second thing he did, he redeemed us. Go on to the next verse. The next verse says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This word right here, redemption. Only way I understood redemption as a kid was you have some green stamps, you go to a store and redeem those stamps. Or you have some kind of stamp, whatever it is you grew up with. Man, I used to look forward when those books would get full and I'd get to go cash them in. There's about four people in here that understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just trust me, it was a neat moment. The word redemption means to be rescued. It literally means to be purchased. Let me show you in the Old Testament where it came from. It came from a moment when God said, I'm going to redeem my people out from under the slavery of the Egyptians. This is Exodus 6, 6. Look at this verse. Say therefore to the people of Israel, as God speaking to Moses, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will, what? redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. It's exactly what Jesus did for us. It's what God did for us. He redeemed us from what? From slavery. A slavery to sin, a slavery to the darkness of this world, the dominion of darkness that held us. I mean, my goodness, before you meet Jesus, you are held by this. You can't understand it, but it's like there's just this bent to do wrong. And, and we're held by that somehow. And Jesus came. And by his outstretched arm, he redeemed us. He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of that darkness. He turned the lights on. And now we don't have to be held by darkness. And so we are redeemed. We are rescued. Let's give him thanks for that. Give him praise. We're rescued. We've been redeemed. And then the last thing is that $15 word. He says, whom God put forward as, talking about Jesus, a propitiation by his blood. Now, we don't have enough time for me to describe what propitiation is. But I'm going to make it really as simple as I can. God prepared his people for this. They had a ritual where they would offer up a lamb. The priest would offer up a lamb one time a year to cover the sins of the people. That lamb and the offering of that lamb acknowledged that there was wrong and there was sin. And it was a way of people getting things right with God again. And it would happen on one day, and it would happen in a place called the Holy of Holies, which was in the temple in Jerusalem. So I want you to imagine that this is all you can see of where you sit in the temple. This is all you can see. There's a big old veil right here. And you don't know what's behind that veil. Well, I'll tell you what's behind that veil. There is an altar of sorts called the mercy seat. It's the Ark of the Covenant. It's raiders, looked for it, couldn't find it. We don't know where it is, but it was a very important piece of furniture. On that offering place, a lamb would be offered. 
one time a year to cover the sins of the people. It was a way of acknowledging that they were wrong and they needed help. Well, that place where it was offered is called propitiation. In other words, it's like we owed a debt we could never pay. In other words, our sin, I, there's no way. How do I? God is perfect. He's righteous. I, I've done, I've, oh gosh, I've done so many things wrong, made so many mistakes. How can I undo them? We can't. But what if somebody took care of them? And so they thought every year that that lamb being offered up would take care of that debt. Well, it did, but it didn't cover it once and for all until one day Jesus shows up. Look what John, the disciple John, wrote in his little book, 1 John. He said, he, that's Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not just ours, but for the sins of the world. So in other words, Jesus became the Lamb of God for us that was offered up to cover our sin, to make it right with us and God. And so Jesus has forgiven us. And the moment we know it was something big happening was when Jesus was dying on a cross outside the city of Jerusalem, the very moment he died, what happened to that veil that separated back here where the ark was and where all that happened? What happened to that veil? At the top, it began to tear. That thing is like six, seven inches thick. It began to tear from top to bottom. As if God was reaching down out of the heavens and saying, your sins are forgiven. And today, your sins are forgiven. Now, you got to praise him. you got to give him thanks for that. He has forgiven our sins. So when you put all these together, he declares us righteous, declares us we're acquitted, we're redeemed, we've been rescued, and we've been forgiven. Now you know why grace is so amazing. And Martin Luther, when he began to realize this, this is what Luther said. Man, God's not angry with you. You're angry with God. Don't you know that God commands you to hope? He was saying, guys, God loves us. He's not mad at us. He's not an angry God. He did something to give us hope. And what did he do? It's a gift. And that gift comes in one form, Jesus. And the moment you receive it, the moment you believe, and that's what Martin Luther learned from this book. So you know what he did? He said, guys, i gotta, I got to change the way I'm living and teaching. And so on this day, October 31st, Hallowed Eve, and it was called Hallowed Eve because tomorrow is All Saints Day. Hallowed Eve, he went to his chapel in Wittenberg, Germany. And he nailed on the chapel door 95 statements that he now believes because of the Word of God. And it started a revolution. It's called the Protestant Reformation. And we are a result of it. And today, I pray the same truth changes your life. The same truth, you, you see what he saw. Okay, so being right with God and, and being in a relationship with him again, that's a gift from God. That's right. 
It's a gift. God has a gift for you. And the way I receive it is by faith. Yeah. You know what that means? You don't understand it. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. If we could figure everything out, we wouldn't need him. But we believe because we have faith. So, all right, I don't understand everything, but I do believe that Jesus did something so that I could have peace with God and really enjoy the life that God intended me to have. That's right. Now live in that life. Now go enjoy that. Listen to what Martin Luther wrote when he discovered it. He said, when I discovered this, I was born again of the Holy Spirit, and the doors of paradise swung open wide, and I walked through. Have you walked through? Have you realized, whoa, God's done something amazing for me. I need to walk through that gate. I believe those of you that are streaming this morning, wherever you are, whatever context you're in, that can happen right now. I believe in this room. It doesn't matter what, how you walked in. It doesn't matter. It's not about the name on the door of a church. It's about what Jesus did for you. And when you recognize that, you, like Luther, will take a step into paradise. You'll walk through the doors. And maybe for the first time, understand God created you and God has a purpose for you. And now you know more about that. I want us to pray. I want us to bow together. You're uh, streaming. Just wherever you are, could you pause for a moment? If there's someone that is in the sound of my voice, streaming or, or here, I want you to just say, Jesus, thank you. Just tell him. In fact, we all need to tell him. Just say, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. Thank you that I never could have saved myself. But you did it for me. And Jesus, today, I receive your gift. And I believe by faith. I will follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. I believe if you said that. If you believe that, if you in your heart, in your mind said, you know what, that's me. Welcome to paradise. Welcome to a great place. Now, I wish I could tell you that once you take that step and you understand righteousness is not something you can accomplish, it's called grace. You have to depend on grace. I wish I could tell you that everything works out. Never a problem again. Nope. You're still going to choose the wrong line at Chick-fil-A. I wish I could help you with that. You're going to choose the wrong line. You're going to have things that don't go well. And guess what? There are going to be people that don't like you. Because you're one of those Jesus followers. They didn't like Martin Luther. In fact, years after that day in 1517, when he nailed those statements on the door, they said, you're going to have to recant or you're done. There were even threats of his life. And so he stood at a council. They had a council meeting. And they're telling him, you got to quit believing this stuff about grace. you got to stop. And this is what he said, I'm not believing. I believe my conscience is captive to the Word of God. And I can't go against it. And it's not even safe for me to do that. Here I stand, I can do no other. 
And so he said, sorry, I'm taking my stand. Well, I can tell you, after what I know about Jesus, what he did for me, I'm joining my brother and countless thousands of others. And I'm taking my stand today for something called amazing grace. And I will believe it. I will live it. I will cherish it no matter what happens. And I want you to join me in that declaration. I came in this room yesterday and it was uh, completely dark. I was up here just getting ready for the weekend and I, I walked in and I mean, I couldn't see anything. Thankfully the lights, they're not even on now, but the baptistry lights were on. And that's all the light I had because I didn't know where the edge was. But I wanted to stand here because I knew this moment was gonna be so meaningful. And I said, Jesus, I just want us to stand for grace. And I want us to stand to say thank you for what you have done for us. And I prayed we could have this moment together today. So would you join me as we stand and we sing a very simple song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. Yeah, I was lost. But now I'm found was blind, but now I see amazing grace. Let's stand for our grace. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.